You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World this week Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national, international events to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscani, I'm hosting today's program. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's right, 3cr.org.au. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, well, I don't know. But if you want a definition, simple, anarchos, without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You kneecap them. Now, I don't mean it literally. I mean what you do is you remove the structures which allow rulers to determine the lives of billions of people. It's very simple. Inequalities in power and wealth is what gives rulers, whether they're hereditary and they call themselves royal, whether they're dictators, whether we appoint them ourselves through the electoral process. It's those inequalities in power and wealth which give individuals and small groups the ability to determine the lives of hundreds of millions of people. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to share power and share wealth. Simple, simple concepts, nothing difficult. You don't need a PhD in political ideology. You just need to, you know, want to live in that type of society. And why would you live in that type of society? Security. You get security by living in an egalitarian community. It's very simple. Let's move on. Crikey, 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 crikey. Looks like the Murdochs have had enough. Crikey media here in Australia has raised the ire of the Murdoch family. And Lachlan Murdoch is suing, on behalf of the Murdoch Empire, the evil empire, is suing Crikey Media because they had the audacity to say that the Murdoch Empire was complicit in the riots outside the presidential palace when Mr Trump attempted to uh, maintain power as president. Now, the irony of all this is that the Murdochs cannot sue any agency in the United States 
which made the same claims because of protection of free speech under the United States Constitution. While here in Australia, they're able to launch legal action to close down Crikey. So what's behind this? Well, it's very simple. As more and more information filters out regarding the dysfunctional Trump presidency, the Murdochs are getting increasingly concerned regarding legal action by the current administration. Very concerned. And this legal action could actually have a deleterious effect. Didn't pronounce that word, did I? Could have a negative effect on their empire. So obviously this is a rearguard action in order to protect Murdoch's interests, not just the United States and the rest of the world, but Australia, where with the election of a mildly reformist Labor government, they may find they'll be coming under increasing pressure as far as their support, or actually creation, of the Trump universe. So I've got a little bit bit of unsolicited advice for Mr Lachlan Murdoch. I remember a very famous defamation case which occurred in London, the old Dart, England, about 30 years ago, where a small group of activists made certain claims regarding McDonald's, regarding the health content of their food, the way they treated their employees and franchises. And McDonald's took this unknown group to court. Most of them folded, but a few anarchists held out. And the defamation case allowed McDonald's dirty laundry to be aired publicly. And for months, the courts in England went through McDonald's activities. Now, if Lachlan Murdoch had any brains, and the Murdochs had any brains, which, well, obviously they do, or they wouldn't be walking, would they? They would understand that taking a group like Crikey to court for defamation in Australia is a very high-risk strategy because what will occur during the defamation case, which Crikey has will be defending vigorously, will air Murdoch's dirty laundry in the non-Murdoch media in this country. Unfortunately, as about 70 to 80% of the legacy media is owned by Murdoch, we won't really see any real analysis in the Australian. Murdoch's flagship in Australia, a newspaper that has never made a profit in its history, although they uh, pushed the private investment for private profit mantra, 
all the other outlets like Melbourne's Herald Sun, but there will be a frenzy in the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, a social and social media, as well as a few other little newspapers that are still surviving. So think about it. Now, I don't think that the Murdochs are that stupid that they would pursue this case through the courts. I think this is a manoeuvre to try to suppress free speech in this country because the Murdochs have never been interested in the concept of free speech. If you look at their uh, outlets, their major uh, concern is the extension and protection of the Murdoch empire. And they take on various political disguises to suit their commercial interests. And obviously during the Trump era, which they created to a significant degree because of their uh, support of those philosophies and ideas, we found that they flourished. But now that things have changed and things look like they'll be heading to the courts in the next year or two, they're very, very concerned that their dirty, their dirty laundry isn't aired. And I am looking forward to the defamation case. I am looking forward to this immensely. And if Mr Murdoch had any brains, he would withdraw the case. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Here we go again. Remember the good old days when businesses and corporations were able to bring out hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of temporary workers to do work in this country that people living here could do. Remember the good old days when you had that wonderful restaurant meal and the chef was being paid $15 an hour cash in hand? Remember the good old days when you could actually employ somebody to work on your farm and pick your fruit and veggies and you pay them a bit of cash and maybe put them under some sheeting overnight to keep them warm? Remember the good old days when you could keep the unions out of your affairs because there's all this labour floating around that needed a job and was willing to undercut the award wages in order for them to survive. Remember the good old days when if you brought out temporary workers and they kind of talked about unionising or complained about their wages, you could ring up the immigration department and have them deported because you withdrew your support for them. Remember the good old days when you could expand your business empire by using this labour. At one stage, one in seven Australian workers was a poorly paid, in the majority of cases, overseas worker on a temporary visa who was promised, if they were very, very good, that they may actually be able to apply for citizenship one day. Well, guess what? Those good old days have gone. They've gone. 
if there's one positive thing about the COVID-19 pandemic and the closure of the borders, is those good old days have gone. But now, everybody's screaming, carrying on about the fact that we need to reopen the borders and bring in temporary workers to fill the voids. Now, remember the good old days when apprenticeships disappeared because you didn't need to train local people to take on jobs and now we are suffering a skills shortage because Australians, people living in this country, whether they're on a permanent residence, whether they're uh, citizens, whether they're asylum seekers or refugees in many cases, couldn't get, couldn't be trained because it was cheaper to bring somebody out from some other country which had spent lots of money attempting to improve their people's situation where we went and poached them and brought them to this country. Well, it looks like there's a clamour, a huge clamour for those good old days to return. The fact is we find ourselves in a situation of a skills shortage because of the short-sighted, ignorant, stupid, neoliberal policies which were pursued by both Liberal national governments and Labor governments to expand the economy, in inverted commas, increase profitability, usually for major corporations at the expense of the people of this country. So don't forget that when we hear the clamour next week during the so-called jobs conference, whatever it's called, I don't know. Obviously, I didn't receive an invitation and I'm particularly certain that nobody, nobody listening to the Anarchist World this week would ever receive an invitation to this uh, little uh, workshop. But remember, we don't want to go back to those good old days. We don't want to go back to those good old days when people were exploited, brought to this country, exploited. We don't want to go back to those good old days when apprenticeships dried up for local people. We don't want to go back to those good old days where the universities stopped pumping out skilled people because state governments and the federal government found it much cheaper to actually bring across people who are fully trained and steal them from many situations where they're desperately needed to bring them to this country instead of training our own. I'll give you an example, a simple example. When I graduated from the University of Queensland in medicine as a doctor in 1975, I know, 47 years ago, the good old days, I think at the end of the course, six-year course, there were about 180 graduates for a population of about 2 million. Now, I could talk about the times I was banned from working in the Queensland Public Hospital System in 1977, but that's a different story. But in 2000, I think in 10 or was it 12, the population of Queensland had doubled to almost 4 million, but the number of medical graduates which had been pushed out of the medical school was 100. These were government policies which were pursued around the country to save money. And that's why we find ourselves with the skill shortage. We seem to forget in this country, we seem to have amnesia 
not just amnesia about the way the country was established, but amnesia about what's been happening during the last 40 years during the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution which has swept the country. So let's not fall for the claptrap, the garbage, hyperbole regarding the skill shortage. Obviously there's a shortage, but this is a wonderful time where people who missed out on training because of these policies which were designed to put downward pressure on wages and destroy the trade union movement are now tottering. Now is the time that we demand that we don't go back to the good old days, that a whole generation, a whole generation of people living in this country who missed out on training be trained to fill those skill shortages. And those people who say, well, I advertise and nobody, you know, answers the advertisement, maybe if wages and conditions were a little bit better in that particular industry, people would retrain and, you know, join the workforce. So here we go again. Not me, not you and hopefully not the rest of the country. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Greenwash Tsunami. Look, I don't watch much television, do much social media, read many newspapers. You know, I'm just a curmudgeon. But... Even I've been amazed by the greenwash tsunami that every corporation is now pushing in its advertising, whether it's on A-Social or social media or uh, the legacy media or uh, legacy TV or all these other streaming devices. Greenwash tsunami. All these corporations and companies which have made their fortune by emitting greenhouse admissions, have all of a sudden produced these wonderful ads using little kiddies and old people and ordinary people and celebrities telling us about green gas. That's right. telling us about how their washing detergent is all green. I reckon we should get a big paintbrush and paint the country green. Because if you believe most of this garbage, you need to have your red, I mean, you need to have your head read by somebody, maybe a tarot card reader. But it's amazing. I, every, almost every second advertisement I come across 
grain wash, grain wash, grain tinge, grain wash. It's just extraordinary. It's just something I've noticed. I'm sure you've noticed it too. They're lulling us into a false sense of security. We're doing the right thing by you. We're trying to decrease greenhouse emissions. We're doing this and we're doing that. And when you go, when you look at it, you think, this is ludicrous. This is lying. 100% lying. So watch out for the greenwash tsunami because you may find you'll be painted green by the end of the week. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scarry. I'm hosting this program. You can access the program by going to 3cr.org.au uh, and listen to the podcast. You can uh, listen to it. Uh, this program is rebroadcast at Community Radio 3CR. I think it's 5 a.m. on a Friday morning. It's obviously streaming live now on 3cr.org.au. If you hate the program, get your friends to listen to it via the podcast. They may like it. If you love it, well, sell it to the people who hate these ideas. It's about time they actually wake up to the reality that we're, we're facing as a people. Poor old Morrie. Poor old Morrison. He just can't say sorry. Now, look, I don't particularly care whether Mr Morrison had five portfolios which he held secretly or not. Although the Prime Minister is the sole person in this country who can declare war. You don't need a cabinet to declare war. The Prime Minister can declare war, as we saw with the invasion of Iraq and Mr Howard. Now, obviously, poor old Mr Morrison was a little bit panicked during the pandemic and he took on a few portfolios and then he realised, this is a good look, maybe I'll take on a few more portfolios. Now, wouldn't you do that if you were Mr Morrison? Look at the people he was surrounded with. Look at the daggers which had been pulled out by his friends, that's right, and political colleagues. Think about it. Obviously, you'd want to protect yourself from that mob. Look at Mr Dutton these days and look at the policies the Liberal National Party is still crapping on about, hoping their mates in the Murdoch media will help them along. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that Mr Morrison can't say sorry. It's very simple. You just say, sorry, mate, and move on. Sorry to the Australian people. I made a mistake and move on. But Morrie can't say sorry. He can't say sorry because he knows in his heart of hearts he did nothing wrong. The Constitution allowed him to do it. And once again, we see this pathetic Constitution which we have in this country which allows Lachlan Murdoch to sue crikey.com for defamation because they made some comments about the Murdoch media being uh, partially uh, responsible for the uh, White House riots after the uh, last uh, presidential election. While they can't do the same in the United States of America because in the United States of America, free speech is protected within their constitutional framework, but not in the Australian constitutional framework. So I can understand poor old Mori not being able to say sorry and not wanting to say sorry. And you know what's going to happen? 
We'll have a nice inquiry by eminent judicial retired judge, most likely. They're usually eminent and they're retired. Have you noticed that? They're always eminent and they're retired. And then it'll be referred to the Privileges Committee about a year later because you want to get as much publicity as you can from this because, you know, you want to embarrass Mr Dutton who still loves his mate, Morrie. Yes, brotherly love. And then it'll be referred to the Privileges Committee who will find against Mr Morrison. They'll say, this is tut-tut. This defies our conventions. Hmm? Defies our conventions. Not our laws, our conventions. Then it'll go to the Parliament and he will be, you know, hit on the hand saying, naughty, 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 Mr Morrie. Mr Morrie can't say sorry. He'll be hit on the hand and then he will continue to be the member for Cook for the next three years. And if things change a little bit, he may stand again. But obviously, Morrie's got a problem. He needs his nice, fat superannuation check at the end of his career. And let's not forget... Federal politicians have the best superannuation system in Australia. So why would Morrie leave? You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, I'm a bit concerned now, I'm going to go through a few things, and you may think I'm an idiot, but that's fair enough. It doesn't particularly matter what you think, if I'm an idiot or not. Liberal National Government, we had one for eight years, right? So what did they do? What have they done which has crippled this country? What they've done, they've sabotaged the Federal Public Service, on an ideological whim. They have outsourced functions of the Federal Public Service. They have privatised large segments of the Federal Public Service. And we now have a situation where people are waiting for years in some cases, there are 60,000 refugees and asylum seekers in this country currently, and we all talk about a skills shortage, who are waiting to have their cases determined by the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. Because when the previous Immigration Department looked at their cases, we had the NIET Brigade no, 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 no. The NIET Brigade. It was government policy to say no. So people avail themselves of the legal opportunities they still had. Now, there's some people who have come here and have asked for asylum or refugee status who've been waiting seven or eight years for their cases to be heard. Now, obviously, nobody really cared about this, but now... We are seeing the Liberal National Party government sabotage of the public service having ramifications beyond 
asylum seekers and refugees in this country. We are having people waiting for months, months, to have simple things like a passport processed. We have people unable, unable because of a shortage of staff to contact Centrelink. Stories of waiting hours is not unusual. I had to ring a government department a few weeks ago. One and a half hours. Wait. I should have sent them a bloody bill. And that's what you should do. Then we have people who wish to come to this country who've been approved who are waiting a year, if not longer, to have their paperwork processed. And if you make the slightest of mistakes, you've got to go back to the starting queue. Then they have people who've done all the right things, jumped through the hoops, have applied for Australian citizenship and are waiting years to obtain that Australian citizenship. So what we've seen on an ideological whim is Liberal National Party policies being put in place over the last eight years which have gutted the public service, gutted the public service. They have outsourced many of the um, facilities. You go to a Centrelink office these days and you're told, oh, sorry, we can't talk to you. Could you go on a computer somewhere? We're not going to. Here's, here's a piece of paper on how to get onto the computer. Try to deal with the Australian Taxation Office. Same issue. Driving people onto the net in order to save money. And like the, the good old days, as far as uh, temporary work visas were concerned, same crap, same garbage, same problem. If the state provide services, those people providing the services need to be funded so they can provide those services. There's no point shouting at them because people are understaffed, overworked, and the whole point and the whole problem has been compounded by the COVID nineteen pandemic. Think about it. If you sabotage the public service and ideological whim all those blockages we now have in the system happen and it gets worse. Let's move on. Look at the NDIS, National Disability Insurance Scheme, a wonderful concept. And aged care packages, another wonderful concept to keep people at home. Wonderful concepts. Again, although... Both concepts were introduced by the uh, previous Labor government. Liberal National Party has done everything it can to sabotage. Sabotage these services. And we now have the ridiculous situation where the private investment for private profit model has become so entrenched in providing these services to the elderly and to people with disabilities 
that we see 40 to 50% of every dollar, every dollar which the taxpayer pays to fund the National Disability Insurance Scheme and the aged care packages wasted, lost on administration costs and profits for the private sector. And so what happens when you've got extensive fraud, extensive overcharging, no regulatory system? What happens? People exploit it to the full. Because do I blame them? No. It's a private investment for private profit model. So if you can squeeze out an extra dollar out of the government and not provide a service to somebody who needs it, well and good. That's what the model is about. So once again, we've seen on an ideological whim that private is good, public is bad. We've seen the almost the destruction of essential services which people like me and you fought for for bloody decades. I mean, I fought for the National Disability Insurance Scheme for bloody decades. I didn't fight for it to become some type of, you know, slush fund for the private sector and see people who have disabilities miss out. For years I saw people who had disabilities miss out and people with aged care miss out. I remember the good old days where if you suffered a catastrophic injury or you had a child who was born with a lifelong disability, it was your problem. And the best you could do would get a disability support pension if you were lucky. We don't want to go back to those days, but we are now seeing us go back to those days as the private sector rorts the system. And it's not just about fraud. Obviously, there are massive amounts of fraud. It's about the way the system is organised. Take the nursing care sector. Thank you, Mr John Howard. Isn't it interesting how they're trotting out old Johnny Howard their successful prime minister, who was, you know, booted out at the uh, booted out of his own electorate by people, trot him out. Dutton trots him out day after day. You know, he's become the spokesperson for the liberal national ideology, an ideology based on the concept of private investment for private profit. Week in, week out, old Johnny rattles rattles the sabre for uh, Dutton and the private investment for private profit mob. We forget, we forget constantly the profound impact that this model has had on some of the most basic human needs, satisfying the most basic human needs in this country. Look at Medicare. An increasing number of medical services not because they want to, some do, but the majority don't, are abandoning bulk billing because for the last 20 years, 20 years, successive governments have been trying to destroy the concept of a universal health system by decreasing the the rebate that a medical practice or a general practitioner receives, especially general practitioners. You go to a general practice, overhead costs have 
soared through computerization and amalgamation. They're supposed to have decreased. They've actually soared. Materials, cost of materials has soared. Cost of staffing has increased. But the Medicare rebate has been kept at, is increased at 50% of the inflation rate for the last 20 years. So what are you going to do? You're going to close your medical practice if you're in private practice or you're going to abandon bulk billing because you've been forced to abandon bulk billing because of government policies which are based on a private, which are based on an ideological whim because we're told that if you pay out of your pocket for the service, you'll appreciate it much more. People forget that if you have to pay out of your pocket, People make important decisions. Do I see the doctor? Do I buy that medication? Do I have enough money for food? Can I pay the rent or the mortgage? Think about it. So if there's one thing, one thing that hopefully will occur during the next three years, hopefully, and the key word is hopefully, is that the private investment for private profit for essential human services will be ditched once and forever because it has been shown to be unfit for human consumption. For example, another example, workers in the aged care sector are paid miserable amounts for really difficult, heavy, dirty work dealing with excrement, having to shower, dress, clothe, feed other human beings is a particularly difficult job to have. Particularly difficult. But no, we saw the privatisation of the aged care, the nursing care sector the aged care sector. We saw the privatisation. Oh, it's going to be good for the customers. The key word, customers, not citizens, but customers. And it's going to be good for profitability. Well, it's been good for profitability, but it hasn't been very good for the customers. And now we have the ridiculous situation where the new federal government is trying to do the right thing and increase wages by about $5 an hour for people in this sector, and they deserve every cent of it. As I said, it's difficult work, hard work. But who's going to pay for it? You, the taxpayer. You, the taxpayer. Because the private investment of a private 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 profit model in the aged care sector is so bad bankrupt in terms of providing services, not bankrupt in terms of making profits at the expense of the elderly, that the taxpayer will have to pay for the wage increase. Boom, boom. How extraordinary. Welcome to the land of milk and honey, the land of the great whatever. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, a few things you can look at if you wish. YouTube, public interest before corporate interest. I think I've got about 180, 190 presentations now you can uh, bash your head against if you wish. 
Facebook page, Joseph Toscana, Toscana for the public. Telephone, leave a message, 0439 395 489. Yes, you can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Want to join an organisation which is uh, growing slowly, but a solid organisation? Public interest before corporate interest. Go to the website, pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. If you think public interest should be held above corporate interests, well, I encourage you to join. You can join directly on the net. Don't even have to ask for a paper application form, but I'm happy to provide you with, well, we are happy to provide you with paper application forms. So what else? Oh, it just goes on and on, all the social media stuff. But again, it's not about looking at the social media and saying, I like this, I like this, I like this, this is nice, this is good. Click, 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 click activism, waste of bloody time. Fine. A lot of people may know about issues they would never have known about, but a lot of people go down rabbit holes which destroy their lives. And a lot of people think sitting on their ass clicking a button is all you have to do in order to change society. Think again. Now, how would you feel? Hmm? It's a nice statement, isn't it? How would you feel? Now, if I told you, now again, this is a lie. I just like, I don't want this to be the uh, War of the Worlds moment, okay? Not that uh, the uh, anarchist world this week is as grandiose as War of the Worlds. But if I told you the Russian Navy and Air Force was 200 kilometres offshore doing military exercises, say offshore the Mornington Peninsula, doing military exercises, because it's open space, open space, you know, legally open space. You know, the law, what do they call it, a law-based, I don't know, crap. Then I told you... That the North Korean, I know, I know, I know, it's a bit far-fetched. The North Korean armed forces, well, Navy and Air Force, was holding drills 200 kilometres off the coast of Perth. You'd start getting a little bit concerned, wouldn't you? And then if I told you the Chinese... People's Liberation Army had a naval flotilla and hundreds of jets conducting exercises 200 kilometres north of the port of Darwin. We would be in a frenzy. North Koreans on the west coast, Russians on the south coast, Chinese on the north coast. We would be in a lather of sweat. Pine Gap would be buzzing. American planes would be everywhere, as well as a few Australian planes, which we bought from America. So how do you think... How do you think the Chinese feel about Australia been involved in military exercises in the South China Sea off the coast of China. 
How do you think the North Korean dictatorship, which we call paranoid, feels about a United States and South Korean military exercises off their coast? So before we get all clucky and all angry about what's happening around the world, I think it's time that we actually saw the way we are seen in these areas because of the policies which previous governments and the current Labor government are pursuing around the world. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying, think how you would feel. You'd get a bit paranoid, wouldn't you? You get about a bit paranoid when you see what was happening in the Ukraine. If you're the Russians, you get a lot. You get very paranoid, and all this is doing is stoking the possibility of war. And while we're talking about war, isn't it interesting that in South Korea and Israel and many parts of the United States they have a shield? to protect them against many missiles attacks. So, when is Australia going to get a little bit of a shield to protect us from the inevitable military attack which will occur in the next 10 to 20 years if we continue pursuing current policies? You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Ascana. This program is coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. Now, oh, something a little bit uh, irrelevant. Look, if you listen to The Anarchist World this week, I don't, I don't know if you understand how it works... Uh, the Anarchist Media Institute is a affiliate of the Community Radio Federation in Melbourne. That's Community Radio 3CR. Now, we pay affiliation fees and we pay a studio fees, which average about $3,500 a year, which is very small. So in an attempt to decrease our debt to Community Radio 3CR, we are, in conjunction with 3CR, going to produce some T-shirts, that's right, merchandise, and I don't even sing, some merchandise, some T-shirts. We'll keep you informed about it. The cost will be $30 plus postage. Obviously, if you live outside of, uh, if you can't come to the community radio station in uh, Smith Street in Fitzroy in Melbourne, but we'll keep you informed about them. Half of the money made will go directly into decreasing studio fees for Anarchist World this week. It gives us a uh, income stream to continue broadcasting, hopefully for another few years. So if you'd like a black T-shirt with red writing, and we'll have it all up on the internet in the next week or two, um, and you've got 30 bucks to spare, think about it. You can strut the world stage with your Anarchist World T-shirt. And the good thing is the T-shirts are made in this country, the screen printing occurs in Australia. You may pay a bit more, but you're keeping the work in this country. Let's move on. Crawl, walk, run. Now, I know over the last three or four weeks I've been crapping on about staying uh, in the state election 
against uh, our beloved Premier in Victoria, Mr Daniel Andrews, okay? And I'm standing on the idea that of positive human-focused reforms. That's what I'm standing about. It's positive human-focused reforms. And I've been a little bit pissed off over the years with the so-called socialist left Labor government in Victoria who've been embarked on this never-ending construction blitz while ignoring questions regarding human-focused reforms like food security, energy security, housing, health, education and recreation. Now, the member for Mulgrave, Mr Daniel Andrews, is a professional politician. I don't think he had any... I think he had one or two jobs working in a minister's office before he was pre-selected for the safe Labor seat of Mulgrave. Now, look, I'm not... I wish to stand not because I'm an idiot. Well, maybe you think I am. Not because I'm going to be elected, but because it's important that we shift policy. We're part of a movement for policy shift that looks at human-focused reforms, which look at issues like food security, energy security, housing, health, education and recreation. Now, this campaign is based on three principles, crawl, walk, run. The crawl stage, which hopefully we're getting near the end of, is about finding enough people in the Mulgrave electorate who are interested in a positive human-faced reform campaign to nominate yours truly, me, Joseph Toscano, to stand as a candidate in the election of Mul- in the electorate of Mulgrave. Now, in case you don't know where Mulgrave is, the Mulgrave electorate is interesting. It's the Premier's electorate, which is held for over 20 years. It's considered to be a safe Labor electorate. It's bounded by Fern Tree Gully Road in the north, Heatherton Road in the south, Dannynong Creek and the southeast tollway in the east and Westall Road in the uh, west. And I need people in there to nominate me. There's no point running if there's no interest. Now, there's been some interest, but not enough interest. So I'm getting to the stage I'm crawling, starting to get up but falling down. So I need two or three more people to nominate me and we'll be in the race. Now, if we have, if by the middle of September, end of September, we've got enough people to nominate me, we'll move on to the next stage, will be the walking stage. And I've been facetious here because there will be a lot of walking. There's about twenty-five to 35,000 homes in that electorate. I hope to be able to get a group together to leaflet every household, possibly twice, maybe even three times in that electorate, to put forward policies regarding food security, energy security, public housing, public health, public education, recreation. And unlike other political parties or other political groups, we have mechanisms by which to fund these initiatives. And I may, yes, I'll go through them today, just in case you're interested. Now, I'll leave it till next week. We'll go through the mechanisms. We'll do a a big report on it next week. But the thing is, if we don't get involved, nothing will change. Now, you've seen a few little things happen in the last month or two as an election is coming up and governments are opening up the Treasury 
and they're saying we're going to do this and we're going to do that. But you can't trust them. I remember last time, four years ago, when I stood against Mr Foley, the housing minister, and was involved in organising a 10-day protest, 24 hours a day, on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House to promote the concept of public housing. We put so much pressure on the state government that they promised to build a 1,000 new public houses. Well, they didn't even allocate $1 to building public housing. They've continued to close down public housing. They are now trying to close down the the uh, corporate sector, uh, the sorry, the cooperative sector, which I'll talk about next week. I want to look at the cooperative sector. There is a cooperative sector, the public housing sector, which has now been privatised. And uh, the fact is you can't trust these people. So the important thing is we need to be involved. If we're not involved, nothing will ever change. Nothing changes if you're not involved. For example, everybody talks about the Ukraine. They talk about Syria. They talk about Yemen. They talk about Myanmar. All difficult situations for everybody. But who in this country talks about West Papua? The West Papua independence struggle. Who talks about it? We do here. And I'd like to invite every single listener, the whole 7 million of you, to come along to the uh, West Papuan Rent Collective Gathering. This is the eighth year that ordinary people Pensioners, people on low wages have been contributing a dollar a week, sorry, a dollar a day, $365 a week to keep the West Papuan office open and functioning. We normally need about 70 people to keep it functioning. This is our eighth year. We're about 20 people short currently. So I'm looking for new members of the West Papuan for the West Papuan Rent Collective. And in, in the, the old try before you buy, turn up. Sunday the 11th of September, free lunch, donations gratefully accepted, 1pm to 2pm. At 2pm we'll have a book launch uh, regarding what's happening to agriculture in West Papua where the sago palm, which is essential to the survival of West Papuans, has now been replaced by the ubiquitous oil palm and uh, Sophie Chaya, who I'll be interviewing on Radical Australia next week, will be the guest speaker. And obviously then we'll have the famous uh, auction. Margaret the Maker will be bringing stuff to auction. Um, David McKenzie, the world's second greatest furniture maker after Kelly, the producer of this program, has also got two pieces of furniture will be auctioned. Every penny raised goes to the West Papuan Rent Collective. Uh, Nobody makes a buck out of it. We've kept the office going. It's pivotal in the West Papua struggle and considering that in this country, West Papua is less than 67 kilometres from the Australian coast. Over a half a million people have died because of Indonesian atrocities in the last 60 years. The West Papua population is now less than 1.2 million. There are more trans migrants, migrants from other parts of Indonesia than West Papuans, but the resistance still continues. Thank you. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. Sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday 
Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.